Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hi friends. As I mentioned at the end of our last episode, our discussion of House of Earth and Blood ended up being super long. And so, welcome back and thanks for joining us for part two of this discussion. It will encompass everything from Jelly Jubilee going forward. Enjoy! A lot of this book is very serious, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like this is definitely a more a lot darker than, than she normally writes like especially at the beginning yeah. right I feel like a lot of her books may get darker as it goes along right but this just starts off pretty dark so we don't get a lot of humor right but we do get this mm-hmm. as it goes on they have a bunch of flirting and stuff and it's really cute but there's this one moment where Hunt right um needs to take a shower and he asks about soap and she's like it's right in the linen closet grab the soap <laughs> and a couple like like a minute later he comes in and he's like what is this and he brings in this sparkly unicorn like purple right it's purple yeah right sparkly purple unicorn and the story about it is a little sad mm-hmm. but it's, the way he finds it is funny because she goes the soap is literally at eye level. So what made you take it from the top shelf? Mm-hmm. And she's like, you thought it was a sex toy, didn't you? <laughs> and it's this just, it's a funny moment of just, cause you, cause Hunt as well is still, he's all wrapped up. So with like Sahir and stuff, you know, like kind of just seeing him be like a guy, you know, yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but then yeah. we um, learn a little bit of the sad story behind it. Right. Yeah. So first of all, I just want to say who keeps their sex toys in the hall closet? I don't know. That's too far away to be useful. <laughs> uh, right? I mean, like it needs to be within reaching distance. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> pro tip here, it, <laughs> the yeah. hall closet is not the place. Um, but what's funny is so. Uh, up, so at this point, Hunt has moved in with Bryce and they're starting to have more of these flirty interactions. And she's like, look, if you're trying to find my sex toy, they're in the left, uh, the left side table next to my bed. Um, mm-hmm. And that like gets him a little spiced up. Mm-hmm. Yes. It talks about him like trying not to look at that side table when he goes into her room. And um, after that, they, they start to have some of these little um little sexy moments but uh, we find out Jelly Jubilee and the other toys are something that brought by Bryce um, some degree of acceptance among her schoolmates she talks about to get Jelly Jubilee her mom had to go to like another part of the region to find it and so I didn't like I said in the first read I didn't really devote as much attention to like the way that people were actually being treated but you definitely get the sense that Bryce was probably rejected by people or bullied for a large part of her life. Yes. And so I think that that 
Um, it's just another kind of little thing that makes Danica's death a little bit worse because their relationship was so close and it kind of feels like this was the person that like one of the first people that really besides her parents accepted Bryce for who she really like for who she was and didn't see her being half human as a failing or a shortcoming. Right. Um, I also like so this is the time where we like I said, we see kind of the shift towards this flirty and stuff like that right and I love a good slow burn but this is like glacial burn <laughs> <laughs> because it's 50 percent in and we're just finally starting to get this like pretty intense flirting you know like we got some flirting going on right it gets more and more mm -hmm. intense and I'm just sitting here going smashed <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> Because it's 400 pages and you're halfway through it, you're halfway through it, like 400 pages, and now they're flirting. And now there's like clear, like very obvious sexual tension, right? Yes. And it's just, I was like, I've read 400 pages, give me something more. But <laughs> I, I do love a good slow burn, but this is very, it's so slow. But it leads up, and they don't actually, there's no penetrative sex in this book um it's such tease because they're so close so many times yeah and I'm just like oh my god and then her mom calls and interrupts her at the very end yeah but it is I really like it though I like the teasing aspect and I think it fits uh with Bryce's personality that she would have sex with a stranger in a bathroom but move really slowly with someone that she actually cared about which is what we see happening with Hunt Mm -hmm. being vulnerable is really hard for both of these characters and so the last time Bryce considered being serious with someone Connor they died the night that she accepted it and then she spent two years being shamed for having sex with a stranger in the bathroom and Hunt hasn't been able to move past his dead lover for over two years 200 years like he talks about any time that he tried to hook up with someone it was kind of always with the shadow of who Shahar used to be and so I think it fits with who both of them are as characters that they move at a glacial pace. But yes. I love that the first kind of sexual interaction that they have is all about her pleasure. Mm -hmm. And it's super hot too, like very impractical because he's just had his wings cut off of his body uh, <laughs> like a day ago. And uh, he literally opens the wounds to bring her to climax, but it is super hot and it ends up being sweet too. Oh, and the, the words that he says, my God. Yes. Oh, there's some good, but yeah, there's some good, good to read. Um, he says that and he's gonna fuck her until she forgets her name. Right. Yeah. I mean, a challenge has been issued, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, their vibe reminds me a little bit of Reese and Farah from A Guitar as well. Not that, I mean, these characters aren't really a whole lot like either of them, um, but you sort of get the, the vibe of two people who've been hurt and rejected in the past for who they are. And so when they go to the shooting range and Bryce, being the amazing, amazing person that she is, she shoots like a bullet 
in the same hole three times because she's an amazing marks person and it's incredible and hunt goes in and does the say like he he shoots a bullet through the hole that she created and we get this acknowledgement of uh, um and and it says this in the book it's like he's saying i see you quinlan he silently conveyed to her and i like all of it and it reminded me of uh, reese and Feyre, uh after she kind of sees who he has to be as uh the king of or um for the people at the court of nightmares and just um, who he has to become. So in, in A Court of Mists and Fury, Feyre says, I see you and it does not frighten me. So we, the, the characters are really different, but we have this situation in both stories where people have been um, rejected for who they've been in the past or who they had the role that they have to fill because that's the only choice. And um, in both of these situations, we see that acceptance. And I like that. I see a good combination of Reese and Farah and Rowan and Aelin in this. Mm -hmm. Rowan and Aelin also took their relationship very slowly, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, for similar reasons, they both, well, they both lost somebody very important in terms of like, uh, so Aelin and Sam, right? Uh, and yeah. then Rowan and his mate. Mm -hmm. or, also Aelin and Nehemia too. Yes. Right. So her best friend had just died before she met Rowan. Mm -hmm. And she felt kind of like, I know that, I don't know that Bryce feels like Danica's death is her fault, but she is certainly carrying the guilt for it. And Aelin or Selena at this point certainly does feel like she is at least in part to blame. Yes. For Nahemia's death. So when I, yeah, so Hunt and um, Bryce, I do see a lot of reflection with Rowan and Aelin. Yeah. In that. That's a good connection. I didn't even think about that. So Hunt and Bryce go to the Moonwood to visit the Prime, but really it's to question Sabine to see, because they think that she might have killed Danica. Um, and I hate it. It is. It is awful. They are so awful to Bryce in this situation. Like Amelie is the worst. She's there. She, Bryce is just so bullied by these people. I don't understand why they have to be so awful. And I don't understand why Sabine is such a bitch. Like I, why is she, why is she so hateful? And why did she class? I don't, I don't understand why she clashed so intensely with Danica. Is it just that they had two strong personalities? Was it Sabine being jealous because we know Danica was super powerful and was slated to skip ahead of Sabine to become the next prime? Was it was it just jealousy? Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, like, it physically hurt me. Mm -hmm. that visit to the wolves for Bryce um they were awful to her Sabine was awful um Ethan was pretty awful about yeah. it um yeah and it's, I mean, it's just it it is hurtful and I don't understand I don't understand why they're like this that so 
when Danica's birthday rolls around, Bryce is the one she gets a box of chocolate croissants and goes and sits by the river. No one has remembered it's Mm -hmm. Danica's birthday. And so Hunt finds her and she's just sitting and really sad. And he is incredibly empathetic in this moment. Like it's, it is great. And she opens the box of pastries and sees trash has been written across it. And I love Hunt's reaction because it is like instantaneous. He gets up and he goes and he finds Amelie and he slams her against a wall and runs some electrical current through her. And like, I love this. Yes, that was fantastic. I mean, he was ready to burn. He was ready to burn it down for her. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand why these people are so hateful. And then Sabine seeks retribution and it hurts me. Yeah. It hurt me when Micah cuts Hunt's wings off and she just talks about like the blood spurting out of the stumps. Like, ah. I know. It doesn't matter that they'll grow back. It is hurtful. Yeah, I'm sure that's horribly painful. And it's just... And Sabine is ignoring, how'd you say her name? Because I was thinking it was like, um, well, I was pronouncing it in my head like Amelia, but Emil, what were you saying? Amelie. 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 Okay. Um, Amelie says that she doesn't want this. She asked Sabine to drop it. And Sabine's just, no, cut off his wings. Mm-hmm. Do it. Well, I think she really, she was hoping that he would, you know, that Micah would kill him. Yeah. But Micah has, he's too useful to Micah. So. Yeah. 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 So it's like, it's like Amelie didn't realize that there were actual consequences for her actions until this moment. Mm -hmm. Like people might actually get hurt because of the things that she chooses to do. Wow. Yeah. Ugh. Wolves. Should we talk about the knife and the sword? Yes. So star weapons. This is, I'm positive will be important. I am positive. This is going to come back around. This seems like something very important that they're going to like find this knife. I'm sure that they have to. Um, so, okay. So there's a star sword, right? This is what Rune pulled from the rock in his like King Arthur moment. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's myth about it right Mm -hmm. so it's made out of a specific metal I guess that fell uh, was found on the old fey world right and then the fey had to for whatever reason left that traveled through the northern rift into Midgard and at some point in the history the knife goes missing and the prophecy I guess sort of behind it is when knife and sword are reunited so shall our people be so shall our people be so right now we only have the sword we have rune has the sword which he has tried to give to bryce and bryce is like no it's cool don't want it you have it there might be a knife Mm -hmm. out there for me right Mm -hmm. so i want to know where this knife is on top of this we get another reference to other realms and other worlds yeah we're getting so much of that we are um 
So are we so, going to have like a, cla a cataclysm here? Like our world's going to merge? Is that what's going to happen? Is that where the knife comes in? Right. And so then I'm thinking, I'm trying to think to her other books. And I'm like, is there a special knife in any of the other books? See, I wondered if she was going to try to tie in her other worlds to this one in some way too, just because she mentions all of these different realms. And so she also mentions the Asteri and they reminded me a little bit of like Amarin, right? Um, yes. and, and it, yeah, so she's like an angel or a dragon or something. I don't know, like thousands and thousands and thousands of year, years old and came into their world and kind of got stuck there in a Qatar. And it sounds like something similar with happened with the Asteri that are in this world now too. And maybe they just decided to make themselves leaders. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if we're gonna get some crossover from worlds. I'm also wondering when we're gonna get a reference or a nod to Aelin falling through the sky. Oh yeah. Cause that's gotta okay. happen at some point. Yeah, cause we did get that in, um silver flames yeah so clearly these worlds are interconnected right clearly her universes are interconnected we found that we saw that with Aelin that there's a way to go in between so is Midgard the this halfway point now that connects them right so what is the northern rift do you think that would be like Akatar? you think that's going to be like thrown glass world yeah I don't know I thought the northern rift was where hell was at so I don't, know. I don't know. Well, that's the other thing because um don't I mean, they talk about closing the northern rift and Prince Helios and all of, like this big war. Yeah, I yeah. The it's just hell that, princes and it's just crazy because other things are mentioned as well, like different planets are mentioned. So I don't know if uh, I mean, I don't know if there's probably not space travel. I feel like that probably wouldn't happen, but I, I'm so there've got to be parallel universes. It's just going to be how they access them. Mm -hmm. And it's probably through the horn, right? Because that is how she ended up like ripping open the right for all the demons yeah. to come in. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. So do you remember a special knife in any of the books that maybe we'll stumble across? Yeah, I don't remember any special knife. I don't remember either. a special knife. Um, I mean, we've seen people like run across special objects before. Mm -hmm. Right, like that's how Aelin gets her sword and air fire, and that's how Nesta gets all of the things, the three things and silver flames. So I don't know. They're more just like relics, I guess. I don't remember yeah. a special knife from any of her other books, though. So. Well, we'll see. Because maybe that knife is just chilling in one of her other worlds. I don't know. I'm very curious to see where that knife might be. But it's it's definitely going to be important. Yeah, so we've really just got like the edges of the picture when it comes to understanding all of the starborn stuff. Mm -hmm. 
You need more information on that. Need more information. So Bryce and Hunt have some conversations about his role in the rebellion. Mm -hmm. um, do you think, so Hunt mentions that he started like at the bottom of the ranks. His mom was killed by angels and that's what motivated him to join this, this rebellion, right? Right. And he talks about how he started from the bottom. Now he's here, right? But, mm -hmm. And he became more interesting to Shahar as he kind of ro rose through the ranks. And as he was talking about his role, it kind of made me wonder if he was manipulated by Shahar. See, I kind of, I kind of question their, like, the love on her side. Yeah. For it, because everything where he mentions, he mentions that, like, she saw him, but she saw him not the way, like, Bryce sees him. She saw him for, like, his, what his worth was in terms of, like, a general, I guess. Yeah. Versus his worth as a male. Yeah. You know, it seemed like. And yeah, I don't know if he wasn't as powerful if she would have cared for him. Yeah. It definitely, he definitely loved her very much. But I mean, we don't have her side of the story or anything, but I think it may have been a little more one sided. I think it may have been he loved her more than she loved him. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think, and I, so he, he, when he's talking to Hunt, not Hunt, when he's, when he's talking to Bryce about his relationship with Shahar, his feelings for her, and he, she, he talks about how, like, even 200 years after she's been dead, he's still, like, in love with her, and he still has these strong feelings for her, mm -hmm. and I feel bad for him and the baggage that he still has from this relationship. So when you when you love someone and they die, you never really stop grieving their their loss. And when it, with a great love like this, like he still feels it very intensely. But I also think that Shahar's death is tied in with so much other grief that it's not just this great love that he's grieving. It's the loss of his freedom and becoming enslaved and tortured for years. He felt like he was the cause of death for thousands of people that he led into battle and then has the guilt for the subsequent enslavement of the people who lived. And he's also grieving the loss of freedom and a dream and the movement that he helped to lead. And so I think that when he talks about his grief and his loss for his love, he's not like he's he's acknowledging the loss of this person that he loved, but I don't think he acknowledges it, the loss of all of these other things that were tied to it. Right. And he continues to carry the guilt for all of the people that he led into battle. And I don't think that's necessarily his to carry. 
I mean, I've, I, it would be hard not to, but we've kind of talked about how sometimes you pick up things that aren't meant for you. Like it's on the table. That doesn't mean you have to pick it up. And I think mm -hmm. he picked it up um, because Bryce points out, like he says, well, I led these people into battle. And Bryce says, well, Shahar led you though. Also, they made a choice. Mm -hmm. They chose to go into battle. And if you do that, you have to acknowledge that you may A, die or B, lose as well. At some point, Bryce asks Hunt that um, if he knew what would happen, right? Like, would he do it again? Mm -hmm. And he says that he would because we were right then and we're still right now, mm -hmm. right? And it makes me think of a quote, and I don't remember what it's from. I do not remember what it's from, but it's something similar. There's a rebellion. The rebellion side loses. And when talking about it, somebody says, we may have been on the losing side, but I'm not convinced it was the wrong one. So yeah. I like that we kind of see that. Yeah. And I think it also kind of hints towards it not being, obviously it's not resolved, right? right? You know, um, but we'll be seeing more of this. And that Hunt, I felt like he still cares, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I think the vibe that he still believes in the cause that he led is really ob. I mean, I feel mm -hmm. like he still believes in the things that he led people in. Oh, yeah. It's just he has to like keep it toned down because there are video cameras everywhere. But he even after he arranges that drug deal, um, he he makes the comment and I can't remember exactly what it is, but Isaiah is like, couldn't you just lay low? and accept things and Hunt makes a comment to him that's something that's like just because you've accepted the bit in your mouth doesn't mean that I have to or have like he still has the same just because he was on the losing side doesn't mean that his beliefs have changed or that they were wrong it just means that they lost right that's exactly what your quote is say, like is saying right mm-hmm there's still like social injustice in this world as evident by the fact that they are currently enslaved. Yep. Creatures aren't property. On a kind of similar note, Hunt and Bryce have a conversation. Um, is it the same conversation? Anyway, there's something about they'll work it out together, right? What they'll do, they'll work it out together. They have forever. But then Bryce says that, like, if she makes the drop mm -hmm. and becomes immortal, and Hunt is like, what? You know, you might not make the drop. Yeah. And that it wasn't surprising to me. And I, I'm not totally sure why it was, like, super surprising to him either. I think maybe because it's just an expected thing. But, mm -hmm. I mean... We've had her up until this point, she said some very moving things about how depression was. So she said that she couldn't bear to move forward, right? Mm -hmm. She said that when Danica died, it was like a light went out, right? Mm -hmm. She's still heavily, heavily grieving. And yeah. 
like life is hard for her to live it's hard for her to like be alive kind of yeah you know so and she doesn't see yet anyway the light at the end of the tunnel if there is one right yeah she doesn't see that Mm -hmm. so why would she want to make the drop you know you spend Mm -hmm. your whole like spend hundreds of years like that right you see and when you think about it too you see hunt still grieving 200 years later right sahar yeah pretty heavily she doesn't want that she doesn't want to go through that you know Mm -hmm. so even when she makes the drop Mm -hmm. she's yeah She's, She's like, like oh, well. oh, no, I'm good. I'm just going to die here. Like, yes, yes, exactly. And Danica's like, I mean, aren't you going to start trying to make the ascent right now? And um, Rice is like, no, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I traded my spot in the afterlife for you. And it's either like die here or go on living in misery. So I think I'll, I think I'll just stay here. Right. Right. I mean, and, and Danica is eventually the one that pushes her like, okay, but what about Hunt? And Bryce is like, you're telling me to live for a guy, which I mean, is also not a message that I would support either. And Danica was like, if it makes you happy, if it brings you like Danica pushes her. Mm-hmm. So I really love when Hunt transitions from being an overbearing prick to like a friend. Mm-hmm. I love that for Bryce because as we've said her friends up to this point suck except for Lahaba and her pets like that's that's who she has in this world June when it's convenient for her Lahaba and her pets and her parents who she lies to about how she's actually doing she's done a lot of this grieving process by herself and I can't as someone who is still grieving the loss of a loved one like I can't imagine having to do all of this without somebody else And so I love for her when she, when Hunt starts to transition just from being a jerk to actually caring about her. So he cooks her breakfast because she is not super consistent about eating well regularly. He calls her out about her leg in front of her parents, which when it happens, I'm like, excuse you, you don't really have the place. But sometimes you need friends to push you, right? And that's what he does. He pushes her and she doesn't love it because it's uncomfortable for her, but none of her other friends are really doing it. Right. When she gets the venom taken out of her leg, he is so supportive. And even when she lashes out to him and she gets defensive about things related to Danica, he doesn't get defensive back to her. Like he doesn't lash out in response. He gives her time. And he takes himself out of the situation so that he doesn't say something that he'll regret in response. And I love, I love these moments for both of them. They have some, like, just such great moments, um, developing as friends and then developing as like, maybe something more, right? Mm -hmm. So we have these really kind of like emotionally intimate moments we have Hunt when he comes back and he's just covered in blood and clearly in, he's not in shock, but just like zoned out. Yeah, right? kind of so like he, a spiral, right? Yeah, he's spiraling and Bryce takes care of him. She washes him, gets him into bed and he wants her to stay with him, right? And mm-hmm. 
it's just it's such a sweet moment and um the quote that stuck out was so he's got um his head on her lap right and she's stroking his hair and he was a friend looking for any sort of reassuring contact to remind him that he was a living being a good person no matter what they made him do yeah like oh god and um he also he mentions so much how he's tried to stay away from people right Mm -hmm. to keep himself removed and but we know that he wants that still right Mm -hmm. so he watches when he watches Bryce defend her friends and like run after that demon Mm -hmm. he wonders what it's like to have a friend like that you know and he just yeah yeah I love when he so he moves in with her it's when Mm -hmm. they first move in together and he is wearing the sunball hat right so he's wearing a hat like backwards Mm -hmm. like a bro right and Bryce makes a comment about how it like it's gonna ruin his rep as the the umbra mortis and the story behind it is really, I mean, it's touching. It, it was like the first thing that he purchased. Mm-hmm. He was released from captivity. And I think it was like he got it. It was when he had first started working for Micah, I want to say. Now I can't completely remember. But yeah. it, it made him feel normal. Yes. And that comes up again, this wanting to feel normal when they're just hanging out right he says all of it felt only natural he let himself settle into the feeling and wasn't that the most dangerous thing he'd ever done yeah yeah the pictures that Bryce takes on his phone I think they help with this too so it's it's like things that she starts to do like humanize is not the word but like things that she helps him do that bring him out of this because I mean, up to this point, he's kind of living in stasis almost as well. So he's filling this role, but he's not really living, right? So she mm-hmm. looks through his phone and it's like just pictures of crime scenes. And so she just starts taking random pictures of things. And then he starts doing it. Like he starts taking pictures of his meal or syrinx or the sunset or things like that. Yeah. I, so it's awful, but also at the same time when he's um, been sold back to Sandriel and she Mm -hmm. kind of plays the pictures for him on loop, right? She just keeps going. You know, you see Bryce as well kind of coming more alive. You know, you've got those first pictures where, yeah, she's smiling, but it doesn't reach her eyes. And you Mm -hmm. see her slowly starting to look genuinely happy and both of them together clearly changing and grow like coming out of where they were like their depression a little bit and helping each other mm-hmm. and becoming two people who clearly cared for each other like there it yeah. sounded like at the end there were a couple of like sort of couple pictures almost you yeah. know like coupley pictures mm-hmm. um that Bryce had asked somebody to take of them yeah 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 I love that so 
um, he says this about the pictures. He says, these were the photos of someone with a life, mm -hmm. a reminder of what it had felt like to have a home and someone who cared whether he lived or died, someone who made him smile just by entering the room. Mm -hmm. Like it's hurtful what's happening in this scene, but you see that he started to live. Yes. When he spent time with Bryce, not just exist not just to wait and serve his time. So after Hunt gets his wings cut off yes. and Bryce goes to work, she finds the flash drive with the video of the person who was dosed with the scent and then ripping themselves apart, right? Yes. She goes and shares that with Hunt. And first of all, Danica is just a genius, right? Mm -hmm. It's just her planning. It's amazing. Again, it kind of reminds me of Aylin a little bit. Um, but she goes and shows Hunt and is like, this is it. This is the thing. And they're making the connection at this point that the synth is something that could be used to maybe heal Luna's horn as well, which makes it significant as well. And so that night she sneaks out because she's going to go back to her old apartment and it's on fire. And she gets the, the text from Therion, the merman. And I mean, so it's just at this point forward that the book is completely insane, right? So the last 200 pages of this book are insane. They really are. This was just bonkers. <laughs> I think that's actually my note. I'm yeah. like, wow, this is bonkers. <laughs> yeah. So Bryce goes with Therion to the river because there's going to be a drug bust. And first of all, I love Therion. Can we get more of him and also more of the otters because they're that adorable? Was, yes, that was so cute. And I can tell you, your wish comes true in the second book. Yes, love yes. that. Me yes, too. Okay. I'm enjoying it. I love the otters. They're adorable. And I want one for my I, just home. Right. Okay. Anyway. Um, and so Bryce catches a glimpse of Hunt's face at this drug deal and is instantly like cover blown, jumping on the dock, like, what the hell, man? And I was rooting for you, Hunt. We were all rooting for you. Oh. Ah. Yeah. And we find out that he was still planning like i mean so we know he still believed in his cause but he was planning to take synth and take it with his buddy right and his uh, fellow rebels to kind of rebel again and break out of slavery yeah right? and it's this just is, yeah and i mean this was before he knew what it would do to them so right, I, I right. Mean, he told his friends and they freaked out and decided to go ahead with it and he showed up like no 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 this is not a good idea and then he couldn't convince them to the back out. So they just went forward with this plan. I mean, but still like, oh, I just hate it so much for Bryce. Like she hasn't suffered enough. Yeah, now she's got this betrayal on top of it. <sighs> she just can't catch a break. And so this was when I started crying the first time. I made a note. Oh, I should have made a note when I started to because there were a lot of times there were a lot of times where I either cried or was almost crying 
And it's kind of funny because Tito's in the room and he's watching Murderville, which is this comedy, right? And I've seen it already. So he's just watching it. It's on in the background. And I'm over here like sniffling, like. <laughs> like... <laughs> oh, gosh. So I'm just so upset for my girl and I'm starting to cry. And mm. uh, I mean, it was just, it was just so frustrating because we, I just wanted her to have someone to love her and support her. And I get that his cause is important and he was going to change his mind. But if the synth hadn't been the thing that caused people to rip themselves apart, he 100% would have been on board with this plan. And it's just, uh, so frustrating. Yeah. Cause I just want someone to be in Bryce's corner. Yeah. We've got Rune, but they just don't we've have got Rune. Yes, we've got Rune. Um, it's just, it's just so frustrating. And then their minimum friend Fury has the nerve to show up at this point. I'm like, okay, I guess you're here, mm -hmm. doing the bare minimum. I don't know. I just got. I mean, it just pissed me off that she was even present. Yeah. Ugh. and then hunt is like pleading with her mm, he calls then, out to her he reaches out for her he like lunges in her direction because he wants to get to her and he's explaining and apologizing and bryce is just so heartbroken and so am i to be honest mm -hmm. yeah. i like that she doesn't look back yeah Oh, and she throws that rock that he got. That's another thing. Okay. Yeah, she, he, she get, uh, he gets her like a little rock, like a little token thing while they're out at one market one day, like in the meat market. And she pockets it. And he mentions that Sahara would have like smiled at it, but ultimately it would have ended up in a drawer with like all of her other, you know, rocks. Jewels. Yeah, <laughs> rocks and jewels. And so we see, he realizes that she kept it with her. Like mm -hmm. it meant, it meant something to her. And she throws it out of his face. Yeah. It's great. Mm -hmm. Painful for both mm -hmm. of them. I felt awful for both of them. That mm -hmm. my, my heart hurt for Bryce and my heart hurt for Hunt too, because he was trying mm -hmm. to explain, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just a hard scene. Mm -hmm. And at this point, we do actually see Rune being like comforting to her, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so that's nice. And then I can't remember if it's on this night or a, a like, no, it's when Fury, so Fury shows back up again at some point to tell Bryce what's to happen to um hunt that he's going to be given back to Sandriel and she's like now don't do anything stupid and Bryce makes some comment about how don't don't you remember you always said like you stupid was my middle name or something which honestly really bothered me because who calls their friend stupid but okay um like again just a crap friend um but then Fury makes a comment about like, it gets better, Bryce. I know it doesn't feel like it now, but I promise it does. And I just want to, I mean, I, 
these interactions with Yuri just fly all over me. Like you don't, you don't have the right to say these things to her. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, you haven't been here for her for the last two years. I don't feel like she has the right to say these things to her. Yeah, I was Bryce so was annoyed too forgiving, in my opinion. Like Bryce needs to hold a grudge or something. I think one of the reasons she doesn't with her like hold a grudge with her friends is because of what happened to Danica, right? Yeah. Is it really worth it to hold a grudge against people? I mean, she does for Rune though. She holds a grudge against Rune really well, which I wonder what that's mm-hmm. about. But because she is, she ends up being super forgiving to Fury, basically, and also mm-hmm. to Hunt. Like she goes there and she's yeah. like, "Hey, I'm three hundred million or gold marks in debt now." Mm-hmm. And oh, that didn't work. I'll let me trade places. Like what, girl? I know this scene. I was like, "Excuse you, ma'am. Look, I I appreciate what you're trying to do, Mm -hmm. but you are not like Hunt is immortal, and he's used to being tortured. You are not equipped for this. You are very easy to kill at this point, and have never been tortured. You do not need to do trading spaces with him." And because of that, it forces Rune to claim her as his sister in public. And then she gets mad because of that and exposes everybody. And he, again, follows her to make sure she's okay. And she's like, nope, I'm mad at you. And he deletes, she deletes him from her phone. Mm Girl, this is so petty. Yeah. <laughs> he is trying to save your life right now. So, to me, she gets a little irrational right around here. Yeah. Well, she wants to do whatever she can to save Hunt, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but someone, so I posted about us reading this book this week and asked for people to post like their favorite things that happened in this book or questions that they still had about it. And someone wanted to know if um, Bryce forgave Hunt a little too quickly for lying and betraying her in this situation. And I don't know how I feel about it because she does forgive him really quickly. And she's been holding a grudge against Rune for, I don't know, 12 years. Yeah. I don't. And I don't know. I feel like the fact that she almost died and he almost died probably overshadows the idea of holding a grudge. Kind of like you said, like at this point, what, like, why keep holding a grudge at this point but she really holds on to that grudge for room so we get to the summit mm-hmm. and that's where things really start to get wild love it i love yeah. a ton of stuff that happens it's fantastic it is a ton of things mm-hmm. it is one thing after the other consecutively in a row at this point Mm -hmm. so 
we get to the summit. Micah, like really casually at the start of day two or three, is like, yeah, I got to go to a meeting, right? And so he shows up while Bryce is at work, hanging with Lahaba, right? And she's just doing her thing. And he strolls in and he's like, the door is open. Nope, you just busted in. And so Bryce being super, super smart, is like, okay, this is bad. I know nothing good can come from this. So she calls her boss who transmits everything through like the video audio feed that she's got because she has all these cameras in her building. And Micah like confesses to everything. Danica's death and the Pac's death and his involvement with the synth and the horn and all of these things are all him crafting this situation. And it was wild. I forgot. Yeah. Me too. I forgot about all this stuff. Man, he is such a dick. Mm -hmm. But how smart is Danica for tattooing the horn onto Bryce's skin? And how smart is Bryce for broadcasting his whole confession? Because if she hadn't, there's no way. There is no way that anyone would have believed anything that happened from this point forward. Yes, I'm so glad that she did that. She had the forethought to do that. Yes, she is a genius. And so Micah confesses like, yeah, I injected Danica and I injected Danica with the synth and she ripped everybody apart and um, I orchestrated this entire situation and I'm going to use you because you are the horn uh, to open the world so we can win the war. And then he injects her with the synth and beats the crap out of her. And then he throws Searink into that giant fish tank with that monster and at this point i was like sir you are taking things too far <laughs> not the you don't get to hurt the animals <laughs> not the animals i know i was just like oh, thinking of this poor cat like being in in a tank like paddling for and couldn't you know can't swim mm -hmm. uh Gosh, it was hurtful. And so there was just so much tension in this moment because Lahaba and Bryce worked together to get Micah like disabled and shoved in a bathroom so she can go and rescue Syrinx. And I thought she was gonna die and I thought he was gonna die and I thought that monster was gonna eat them both. And then she's doing CPR. And I was like, oh my gosh, if this cat dog dies, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> but he lives, but then Lahaba just breaks my heart. Oh my gosh. This I'm scene. just weeping at this point. Weeping. I wept. Yep. I cried oh, yeah. all of the makeup off of my face. Mm -hmm. It was hurtful. Um, and I may start crying about it now, just talking about it because I'm feeling a little something in my chest. But so uh, it was painful. So Lahaba sacrifices herself so that uh, Bryce and Syrinx can get out of the basement. Um, and the it's just, it is a very emotional scene because Bryce, Bryce put herself in even more, more debt so that Lahaba could be free. Mm -hmm. um, and they just have this really lovely moment where Lahaba is like, I know I was sneaking through your desk and I found the papers and Bryce is like, we were going to have a party. And, um, oh gosh, Lahaba is like, let my first act as a free, uh, sprite or whatever be to help my friends and i'm just weeping again at this point mm -hmm. um oh man 
it was just, it was really, it was harder to read this time, I think, than it was the first time. But she says, um, my friends are with me and I am not afraid. And that took me all the way back to Throne of Glass. Yes. Uh -huh. And I think that made the emotion even more intense because if I just talk about Throne of Glass like a little too much, it will make me cry. And so it just reminded me of like my my name is Selena Sardothian and I will not be afraid. And I'm just weeping. I know. And the whole, so she says two things. So she says, well, she also says, my friends are behind me and I will protect them as well. And oh my God, this is just, I was, it was such an awful scene to read. Mm -hmm. And, oh and she's a fire sprite. So obviously, you know, this is going to, the water, the tank's going to break and she's going to be washed away. And she just, mm -hmm. oh, and she's doing what she can for her friend. And yeah. when it gets to the point so she dies and Bryce is putting together the god the god slayer right the gun and Hunt says this is it this is the two seconds that um Lahaba's death bought her mm -hmm. this is the like pivotal thing that happened because yeah. that she was able to do that that gave her that time yeah. Ugh, I'm almost crying too yeah it was just it was such an intense it was so, it was so intense. Um, she talks about how, um, she's like assembling the gun using um, magic and not even looking at it and it pulls in that training. So she's been trained for this, like she has spent her whole life training for this moment basically with Lahaba's help and with the training from her dad, she's like assembling this gun, not even looking at it, using magic. Um, and it's just, it's just a lot. And the two seconds that it took Bryce to line up her shot and the two seconds it took for her to lose the steadying breath, Hunt knew those seconds where Lahaba's knew. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. And so and then chapter ends, um with Bryce setting a trap basically for Micah she opens the door and tricks him into thinking that she's left um and she shoots him in the head and we get like this time warp moment right so the universe kind of shifts and it's just such a powerful scene yeah like you can feel Bryce's anger and her sadness as well you know, she yeah. just lost one of her really good friends, probably one of the best friends that she has left at this point, because, you know, Fury and June aren't it. Um, she just had a friend sacrifice herself for her. She's finally getting revenge for her best friend and her pack's death, you know, like murders. And for herself as well. This guy just tried to kill her. Oh, it's just such a powerful moment. And she like goes berserk on him right not only does she shoot him in the head she like chops him up and sets him on fire and, and then, then vacuums him up and then vacuums him up it's an amazing scene and it's like heartbreaking but also yay because he's dead and everybody saw it but oh it's tough it is 
I mean, it's, uh, it's just a lot. And then two seconds later, she is out running in the streets to try to save people. This is now when stuff at the summit, like now was going down, like they're watching this. And I think at this point, um, um, oh my God, Hypox, oh my gosh, what's her name? Hypoxia. Yeah, Hypoxia, thank you. Hypoxia has dissolved the, you know, crown around Hunt's head and he's ripping off um, Sandriel's head with his bare hands. Oh my gosh. So it's just going down everywhere. We got demons in the street. We got ripped off archangels' heads or archangels, archangels' heads. You know, like insanity happening everywhere. Yes. We've got Sabine telling the wolves not to go help and the wolves being like, nope, we're going. Yeah. We're going to help these kids. We have everybody, so many people coming together to try to say, oh, it's just such a moment. Such a moment. I mean, that, that I like, this is another thing that made me start crying. So all of the, she talks about like the wolves, the jackals, coyotes, dogs, foxes, all of these yes. creatures coming to help defend the humans. And I'm just crying. And I love that. So Bryce is on the phone, just pleading, like, please send help to the Asphodel Meadows, because that's where the humans are. And all of these other people are prepared. Like they have the wards, they have things to protection. Humans have nothing. Yeah. And that's where she goes. Like she goes to the people who have nothing. Um, and it, I mean, it's just, it's just such an incredible moment when all of these other creatures jump in to help and the Viper Queens people arrive. Mm-hmm. And then Ethan shows up with some of the other wolf shifters as well. And they, we have this moment and it's just them just doing what they can so that the humans, the children, that's the thing that Bryce is like, she's screaming, like there are children here. There are babies here. Yeah. After Lahava's death and forward, I think I was just almost either crying or almost crying for like the rest of the book. Yeah. I, I mean, think. it is, it is wild. It is mm-hmm. wild. And even then, like Bryce is doing this self-sacrificing thing where she like launches herself into Ethan's body. So the momentum pushes him into the shelter in time. Yes. And then we have back at the summit, right? The prime, the wolf prime. I feel like this is another name, but whatever. He's watching and he calls her true wolf. And I was just like, oh my God. You know, it's, oh. Yeah. That's such... And I feel like, you know, for her have been her connection to the wolves, right? And it being so broken to have the head wolf say that would have meant so much to her. And it's just such a moment. And it makes Sabine look like an idiot too. Yeah. A true wolf. That's what she calls her. So I have a theory about that. Yes. So... The Asteri are people with like star power in them, right? And they're born with that power. Mm-hmm. But Bryce also has the power of a star in her and they say it's just a light, but we know that like it's significant light based on what they say in the epilogue. Mm-hmm. Plus she has all of the power from her drop and the prime calls her a true wolf and she wields Danica's sword, which would go to the 
next prime, right? And there's an open seat on the Asteri, whatever council or government, whatever they are, that belong to Sirius, which is the dog constellation, the brightest star in the sky. And Micah says, the one who possesses the horn at full power can do anything, perhaps establish oneself as an Asteri. And Bryce has all of these things, plus she is literally the horn. Yeah. So is there any way that Bryce could be made one of these Asteri people on this council? Maybe. I guess she'd have to like, mm, see, I don't know how you become one. Well, like, I don't either, but it says you could establish yourself as one. Can she just I announce like, it? Yeah. Hey, I'm taking on a new job. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how it works, obviously. Discover, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I don't know how this works, but I feel like there's just a lot of things that have happened and that are kind of hinted at or stated. Mm-hmm that make it sound like this is a possibility. Yes. So there's that. And then all of the doors to the bomb shelters are closed. And so Bryce takes off to the Rose Gate and reveals herself as the starborn heir and we get this outstanding moment with Ember Quinlan. Yes. So the Fae King calls her and is super pissed off because no one ever told him that his bastard daughter was the starborn heir. And she's like, I've been waiting for this moment for 20 years. <laughs> it is a glorious the ass chewing that she has for the Autumn King. Like, it is amazing. She says about Bryce, she says once she realized, okay, so on, on um, Rune's chosen one status, um, Ember says about Bryce, she realized that she couldn't take it away from him, not when she also saw that was the only value you place in him, even if it meant she would be denied everything she was due, even if revealing herself would have meant that she could lord it over you. She wouldn't do that to Rune because she loved him that much more than she hated you. Like, yes, ma'am. Oh my gosh. And then she says, and you left her on the curb like garbage. Mm -hmm. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. oh, it's so good. I hope she's doing the same thing to you, girl. Take out the trash. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Take him out. That is so great. Yeah. So great. But meanwhile, at the Rose Gate, Bryce is like pulling the star out of her chest and she managed to shut down the Rose Gate, but there are still all of these other gates that are open. Plus, because of Sandriel, the Asteri have sent the, um, what is it called? It's not Hellfire, that's thrown a glass. Brimstone bombs mm -hmm. or whatever, right? To, to bomb. Um, yeah. No, it's and, actually the G. No, no, Bravestone. I don't know. Okay, continue. Sorry. Yeah, I don't remember what they're called. Some type of bombs, right? They're magic. They slow healing to destroy um, 
the remaining demons, but also to take out Bryce because she just proved how threatening a half human, half fey female can be. And the Asteri and the Archangels and everybody else is scared because um, she's amazing and they should be scared. Mm -hmm. And Hunt and Fury and some of these other people, they take off in like their helicopter and they get close. And they've already been like brimstone bombed one time and Bryce is stuck and she thinks she's going to die next and hunt like dive bombs out of the helicopter and throws himself over Bryce and gets absolutely shredded in the process like and I forgot what was going to happen so I was thinking oh my gosh what is going to happen. I did not come all this way for you to kill off my man. Right. And then Bryce is very confused because she's somehow still alive and she finds Hunt and he's like missing an arm. His legs are in shreds. Like it's awful. And she starts like crying and so did I. And then she's telling him lies like the medwitches are coming. We're going to go home. We're going to go to see Syrinx. And I'm like sobbing at this point. (sighs) And then she goes to the gate and she's like, I just need someone to anchor me. I just need someone to to place a hand on one of these things because she's going to make the drop because that's going to help with closing all of the gates and saving the world. And oh my gosh. And just, just tears. Yeah. So nobody is answering her call, right? She just needs somebody, one person to anchor her, but nobody's answering until Danica's spirit soul mm-hmm. somehow answers and she says light it up Bryce and oh my god from like this moment forward I am full-on crying <laughs> <laughs> <I> mean, <same. laughs> full-on, full-on crying from light it up Bryce yeah right I am just that's it it's just crying like real crying so um, and everyone's like, they kind of like, they see this happening. It's like, can that happen? Like, can they act as an anchor? And they're like, not a true anchor, but it's like just giving Bryce Danica's spirit or soul is there giving Bryce the confidence and courage to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she makes the drop and, you know, she didn't have, like, they didn't believe she had a ton of magic in her, but she keeps going down, down, down like further so um further down into the um I want to call it a well I don't know why right yeah that sounds right right because I picture like a well in my head right making the drop and it's because so all the people who donate like you know a drop of their magic or whatever to this to go it goes into powering the city right she's now harnessing that Mm mm-hmm Right. Yeah. And to use that power to close the gates, right. And to fix everything. And so she's going past all of these crazy levels of power and she even goes past her father's, right. Like mm-hmm. just barely, but she goes past it. And she has six minutes to get back up to the top, but she has this conversation with Danica down there and it's just heartbreaking, I guess. Yeah um because so one reason that makes it really sad is that Danica is giving up like this last bit of her soul like after this Danica's gone yeah that's it right 
but she's there for that final, those final moments to like shove Bryce back up, you know, kind of to be with her and on her heels. And I'm trying to remember their whole conversation. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So um, Danica is like, okay, you need to start making the ascent now. And Bryce is like, no, I'm not doing that. Nope. Just going to stay here. And Danica is like, why? And Bryce says, because it got too hard without you. It is too hard. And Danica is very upset about it. So she says like, so you'll give up on everything. I am dead. I am gone. And you'll trade your entire life for this tiny piece that's left of me. Right. I mean, she's still just so hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it is really hard. And so, um, Oh, here. Also, this I highlighted. Um, um, so when she starts coming up, right, the ancient prime of the wolves, right, so the Autumn King goes, how? Like, how is this happening, right? How is she? Because the clock, it, like, stops, right? Somehow it, like, stops on their descent, or on their ascent, mm -hmm. right? And so the ancient prime of the wolves said this in response to the autumn king saying how with the strength of the most powerful force in the world the most powerful force in any realm what brings loyalty beyond death undimming despite the years what remains unwavering in the face of hopelessness anyway so that goes back to love because that's what it is that's yes. an answer Love. love all things love. are possible exactly and we see this nice kind of you know coming to get like this bringing everything back around to yes our phrase yeah yeah meanwhile on the surface hunt is trying to resuscitate her mm -hmm. um and it's so with making the drop and all of the, the power that went into her, uh, Bryce was able to heal basically everyone that was injured at that point and put life back together um, after the bomb. And Hunt is on the surface, giving her chest compressions and electrocuting her, like doing the lightning jolts. And so my heart is just like ripping out of my body at this point, like we are gushing blood, emotional blood. Mm -hmm. um, and he says to her, I heard what you said, what you waited to admit until I was almost done. You fucking coward. Now come say it to my face. Cause she loves him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So she comes back. <laughs> Well, so there's also this really sweet moment while he's still doing um, chest compressions. He goes, come on, I'm waiting for you. And then it says he'd been waiting for her from the moment he'd been born. Mm -hmm. <sighs> he had fallen. He had survived. He had gone through every trial and torture and horror all for this moment. So he could be here. It had all been for her, for Bryce. So Bryce comes back. 
they go home, take a shower. Um, Hunt realizes that he's still a slave until he's not. So he looks down and the tattoo on his wrist um, indicates that he's no longer a slave. And then Bryce gets a chilling phone call from Bridgelis who, so this guy, he's in a stary, but he's like in the body of a teenage boy. And that really freaks me out. I don't know what it, like just, hmm, that, hmm. So there's a character in Marvel's Eternals who's like, she's like a teenage girl always. And just something about it is bothersome to me. Mm-hmm. anyway he makes a bunch of veiled threats and basically says like i need you to stay like quiet and live a low profile life and we won't kill you and your relatives and by the way hunt's not a slave anymore yeah i mean you just know this is going to be a problem oh yeah they step one foot out of line and it's like nope dead yep sort of thing Yep. And then at the end, the Bone King, so like Bryce is out by the river and the Bone King arrest illuminates the rest of the pack. Connor's like shadow was waving to her and I just am crying again. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. And then we have the epilogue that we talked about already with Jessica and Adis. Well, do you want to talk about our quotes? Yeah. Um, Okay, I picked two. So this is about Bryce. Vengeance incarnate, wrath's bruised heart. She would bow for no one. Hunt's lightning sang at the sight of that brutal, beautiful face. Just like that. Um, And Hunt also says, he says this um, about like the wolves and her whole interaction with that. Um, He says, living and living well, it's the greatest fuck you that you can ever give them. Which I think is a great. Yeah. It's true and it's great. Yep. I love that first quote that you you played or that you said. Mm -hmm. It's so good. My quotes come from Bryce's um, goodbye phone call to Hunt when she thinks she's gonna die. So, She says, tell Randall that I'm so proud I got to call him my father, that he was the only one that ever mattered. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just put me in my feelings. Yeah. And such a, I I love that, sorry, um, that the Autumn King was right there too to hear uh that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, I don't know. My stepdad is my dad. I mean. Obviously, my relationship is not like Bryce's with her biological father, Uh, but I think, and we've talked about this before, having a blood relative doesn't really mean Mm -hmm. a whole lot. Right. Having, I mean, yeah, so um, I just love that quote. Hit me, it hit me. Um, And then she says to Hunt in the same conversation, I was waiting for you. And then she taps her chest and says, in here, I was waiting for you. Oh, and it just made me really emotional. Yeah. 
So much of this book made me so emotional. <laughs> yeah. That wraps up our very extensive coverage of House of Earth and Blood by Sarah J. Mass. Join us next week where we'll cover House of Sky and Breath by Sarah J. Mass. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again. <laughs>